go rebuild my church, which as you can see, is falling into ruins. These are the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi from an image of Christ on the crucifix at San Damiano in 1205 AD. These same words inspired Peter Doan, the host of the program you're about to hear. Peter challenges all of us to rebuild, not the brick and mortars of our church buildings, but our personal faith and relationships that will rebuild and strengthen the church. Now here's today's program. Welcome to our radio program called Go Rebuild My Church. My name is Peter Doan, and along with my wife Leslie, we're excited to be with you today as we explore ways to put into practice the words spoken to St. Francis of Assisi by our Lord Jesus, Go Rebuild My Church and how this theme is relevant to the church today. Leslie and I have recently launched a lay apostolate called Encounter Jesus Discipleship Ministries. You can learn more about us and our passion for renewal in the Catholic Church by visiting our website at www.catholicdiscipleshipministries.org. Our passion for renewal was ignited when we came home to the Catholic Church 12 years ago, and that is when we heard the call to rebuild and joined efforts with many other renewal movements within the church. And hopefully through the ministry of this radio program, we can provide pathways for you as individuals as well as parishes to join the rebuilding process and experience renewal. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in the middle of a series on the Great Commission, also called the Mission Statement of the Church. We've been learning that the Great Commission involves two key components, evangelization and discipleship. Currently, we're talking about discipleship. These two components are vitally connected like the two lungs of a healthy, breathing, alive individual Catholic Christian and a Catholic parish. Our focus now has been on making disciples and what it looks like when individuals and parish ministries take seriously the Great Commission. Two weeks ago, we introduced our listening audience what we believe are the seven pillars of Catholic discipleship. Peter, could you give us a quick review of these seven pillars? Yeah, thanks for that lesson. I know that we've mentioned before that this word discipleship, really, if you think back 15 years ago, wasn't in a lot of Catholic conversation, Catholic communication, but now you really hear it all the time. And of course, Pope Francis has really coined the phrase missionary discipleship. And that's something that really every diocese and every parish is working on and looking at how to begin to uh, become missionary disciples. Uh, I believe there are seven pillars that support the life of a Catholic disciple. And these seven pillars that we've talked about represent what we see, first of all, in Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, Leslie. In the early church, we've said that the early church is that time period from 100 A.D. to 500 A.D., after the death of the last apostle. And also, we see uh, these pillars in the lives of the saints throughout the entire history of the church, from the beginning of the church even up to present day. And these seven pillars we've enumerated as, number one, encounter and re-encounter Jesus Christ. Secondly, study and learn the state sacred scripture. The third pillar that we're going to be talking about today, develop a consistent life of prayer. Fourth, receive the sacraments of penance and Eucharist regularly. Fifth, discover, develop, and deploy your spiritual gifts. Sixth, conduct spiritual warfare. And finally, go and share your faith. As we practice 
and embrace these seven pillars of Catholic discipleship, uh, this discipleship culture, and we've used that word culture in our last couple broadcasts, it becomes key to rebuilding and renewing the church both for individuals, families, parishes, and the church at large. I believe everything, yes, everything begins with that pillar number one that we've talked about, a deep and decisive personal encounter with the living Christ. That becomes kind of like, Leslie, the line, as I call it, the line of demarcation that delivers us from a cultural kind of religion into a vital, ongoing sharing in the life with God himself. In our last broadcast, we described the second pillar, study and learn the sacred scripture. And we looked at our supreme example, the Lord himself, how he modeled that for us. And we said three things, or we highlighted three things, Leslie, last time. First of all, we mentioned that 30 times in the New Testament, it's recorded that Jesus said, it is written. So he knew the scriptures and he studied them from all the time growing up as he was taught them by obviously Mary and Joseph and at the synagogue as well. Secondly, uh, when he launched his public ministry in Luke, Jesus quoted from the scriptures uh, written in Isaiah, that, and Luke records it in the synagogue in Capernaum when he said that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, is upon me. And just a little aside, Leslie, do you remember that when we visited Israel, we went, were in that synagogue and the ruins of that synagogue in Capernaum. Do you remember that? Yes, absolutely. And then was... right across the street was Peter's house, uh -huh. which was much bigger than you would imagine. Yeah. That you know, was... it was uh, a, a pretty nice house that uh, was going on in those days. Thirdly, um, previous to his announcement in the synagogue, remember Jesus famously dealt with Satan in the wilderness by using the scriptures as a sword, as Paul said it could be used when he wrote about the weapons of our warfare in Ephesians chapter 6. When he confronted the devil, he took three times from the uh, book of Deuteronomy, chapters 6 through 8, and, and said, it is written. I think this is a really good example of how Jesus modeled for us discipleship, because he modeled the fact that he studied and knew the scriptures. And as we discussed, uh, as we were preparing for this program, we talked about the fact that he that he modeled every one of the seven pillars. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, Peter, how does he become for us the perfect example of a disciple? So there's an amazing set of scriptures, Leslie, in the book of Isaiah. And um, I don't know how many of our listeners have ever uh, focused on those, but I'd like to do that as we begin today. And these scriptures are literally four servant songs, that's songs, that describe the service, suffering, and the exaltation of the servant of the Lord, the Messiah. And all four of those songs in Isaiah show the Messiah to be a meek and gentle servant. Um, uh, the inference is, through these scriptures, that Jesus was the perfect disciple as servant to the Father. And the servant songs are found in these scriptures. I think it's worth mentioning for our listeners, if you want to look them up on your own, Isaiah 42, 1 through 9, Isaiah 49, 1 through 13, Isaiah 50, 4 through 11, and then the ones that we're really uh, familiar with, Isaiah 52, 13 um, through 53, 12. And in Isaiah 50, 
verse 4 through 6. I'd like to mention this that is really an interesting scripture that kind of opens up what we want to talk to about today. The scripture says this, The Lord God has given to me the tongue of a disciple, that, he, that I may sustain the weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. And that's the servant speaking in Isaiah. And what we see there, Leslie, is that the servant is referring to himself as a disciple to someone. And of course, the inference there is God the Father. We can confirm that by a scripture in Hebrews chapter 5 that I want to read to our, to our listeners. And it, it kind of opens up what we want to talk about today. And it's talking about Jesus in the days of his journey in the flesh here uh, on the earth. It says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard for his godly fear. And then this is interesting. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered and was made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. One interesting point there, Leslie, where it says that Jesus learned obedience, which is is an interesting idea if you think about that. That word learned has the same Greek word as the word disciple. It's the verb form of the Greek word mathetes, so that Jesus, again, the inference is that he was a disciple that... uh, and we're going to talk about how he can become a model for us as well. Okay, well, thank you for that, Peter. We're now going to take a short break, and when we return, we will share the third pillar of discipleship, which is a consistent life of prayer. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to our radio program, Go Rebuild My Church. Today we are discussing the command taken from the Great Commission given to all the followers of Jesus Christ to make disciples of all nations. We have been discussing how Jesus is not only the model disciple maker, but also, first and foremost, he models for us how we can become a disciple. And this is seen in his relationship to the Father. So, Peter, our third pillar of Catholic discipleship is to develop a consistent life of prayer. Talk to us about how we should approach this. How can we go about developing a consistent life of prayer? Okay. So, Leslie, as we implied in, uh, before we took a break, that Jesus is not only being looked at as a disciple maker, obviously with the 12 and the others that followed him, but also he modeled being a disciple in his relationship with his father. 
And it's interesting, uh, just last week I was uh, discovered that Pope Francis did his last lesson in his general audiences on prayer, and he went to the idea that Jesus modeled how to pray as he related to his Father in prayer. So I'd like to mention some things about that audience and some points that we can learn it ties in to this third pillar. First of all, uh, as Saint Pran- uh, Pope Francis uh, began his audience, he was it was held at San Damaso Courtyard of the Apostolic Palace, and the Pope, in his very general, congenial way, was walking along the barricades, greeting the people, shaking hands, signing their books, and giving a blessing. And then he began his talk uh, on the series of prayer. And interestingly enough, he began this series, a long general audience, back in May 6 of 2020. And he did a total of 38 presentations on reflections on this theme of prayer which would be really interesting to go through all those and and kind of all of us be renewed in what it means to be a catholic christian prayer person uh and the pope made some things i think that i want to point out today first of all he said we've recalled several times in this series of catechesis that prayer is one of the most evident characteristics of jesus life And I like this, what the Pope said next. He said, Jesus prayed, and he prayed a lot, the Pope pointed out. And he said that in the course of his mission, Jesus just immersed himself because I like this idea, too, that his dialogue with the Father was the incandescent, or that was the enlightening core of Jesus' entire existence. So stop and think about that. Okay, so he's saying that this continual prayer to the father was really the core of the light that exuded from jesus in his life and ministry he went on to say how jesus shared the gospels how the gospels testify that jesus prayer became even more intense and deep in the hour of his passion and death which is shed in light of the scripture and uh, he mentioned also in that context that jesus always has the word father on his lips in the in the upper room discourse that's in john 13 through 17 he's constantly referring to his relationship with his father and also that's highlighted by that high priestly prayer leslie in john 17 where kind of the holy spirit through john opens up to us this intimate relationship between the father and the son and how jesus is praying that the father Uh, gave the apostles to him and he was faithful to care for the apostles and he was asking for their protection and also the protection and blessing of those that would believe through their word. The Pope also pointed out during this time, uh, and he, he really took us to the three hours of Jesus on the cross and broke down what was going on prayerfully Uh, with Jesus as he hung on the cross. And the Pope summed it up, Leslie, by saying that Jesus literally prayed for three hours when he hung on the cross. And there's some important things within that context that he pointed out that, first of all, he shared with us that there was an emphasis on forgiveness. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the midst of all that excruciating pain of soul and body, Jesus was focused on forgiving those that had put him uh, through the torture and through the crucifixion. Secondly, um, 
and, th- and I really like this emphasis too. The Pope pointed out that uh, Jesus referred to the Psalms in his expression of the Father. So in Psalm 22, the Pope was saying that he reached into the Psalms and presented to the Father his pain and difficulty when he said, um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You remember that, don't you, Leslie, when he said that? And that was a quote directly from Psalm 22. So then thirdly, um, we can say that uh, when Jesus hung on the cross, that he ended up by saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. And that was, that was his final um, prayer to the Father, where he ended his life prayerfully before uh, the Lord, um, before he committed his final uh, life at life's end to the Lord. Well, Pope Francis certainly lays out for us a clear fact that Jesus was a model for prayer. I've I've never really thought about the fact that as he hung on the cross, that entire three hours he was praying. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty vivid picture of the intensity of that experience on the cross and and the prayer, the fact that he was addressing his father during that time, that he was reflecting on the Psalms. And I do think that this shows us a clear pathway for becoming a disciple by imitating his prayer life. So we'd like you all to stay with us now as we take another break. And when we return, we will be taking the teaching of Pope Francis and actually trying to apply it now to us, those of us that want to pursue Catholic discipleship on our journey, focusing on our continuing discussion about the seven pillars of Catholic discipleship. You're listening to Go Rebuild My Church. This program is underwritten in part by Willie and Deborah Wood in memory of their parents, Woody and Joyce Wood, and Bill and Elsie Brooks. Catholic Radio Indy thanks the Wood family for their support. Have you ever thought about joining the Catholic Church? Have you just wanted to explore the Catholic faith? All you need to do is call your local Catholic Church for more information. We are always happy to help you in your journey to discover and learn more about the Catholic faith. We have classes that are almost year-round, and the classes and information sessions do not involve making a commitment, and there is no pressure to join. Please call your local Catholic parish for more information today and start the journey of one day possibly becoming Catholic as well. God bless. Welcome back to today's broadcast. We are sharing the seven pillars of Catholic discipleship. In our last segment, we shared how Jesus became the model for discipleship in his relationship to his father and he shows us the way and amazingly pope francis just concluded an in-depth catechesis on prayer and he came to the same conclusion that jesus is the example of how to pray so peter has you as you have reflected on pope francis's teaching what are the major takeaways that we as catholic disciples can learn and apply to our own prayer life thank you leslie and again i think it's kind of a serendipity that Pope Francis was addressing the fact that Jesus is our example for prayer and it really I got excited about that because it really fits into what we want to say about Catholic discipleship and prayer so taking uh, kind of a encapsulation of what Pope Francis said let me state five major things that are takeaways first of all Pope Francis reminded us that Jesus prayed and prayed a lot. And in his dialogue with the Father, he mentioned that that was the heart of his relationship with him. And I think that we can imitate what 
uh, Jesus did uh, this whole idea of praying a lot by praying with consistency first and the amount of time spent second. I think a lot of times we get hung up about how long we pray, and you know, there's a validity to that. We talk about the holy hour and that type of thing, but I really think that the, the foundation of getting a healthy prayer life starts, first of all, with consistency. And as we can build consistency, then the it expands the time. I know uh, Matthew Kelly encourages in his seminars for everybody to just t start seven minutes a day, you know, and put a little put a little post-it on the mirror and say, pray seven minutes. Right. So be consistent. Don't worry about how long. Just be consistent. Right. Start small, but be consistent. Secondly, uh, Jesus addressed the Father as Abba, and Pope Francis reminded this of this. And this word implies intimacy, relationship, and fellowship, doesn't it? It really, it really kind of gets us out of for a lot of formalism and really gets it into a relational dynamic. In Romans 8.15, Paul, St. Paul goes ahead and tells us that we also, Leslie, can cry out to God and say, Abba, Father. That God is not a father sitting there on the throne ready to vaporize us every time we stumble, right? So we, just like Jesus, now as sons and daughters, can approach the Father just the way Jesus does. And I think that's powerful, that we can say Abba, Father, also. Right. He's Father God. Yeah. Thirdly, uh, Pope Francis took a lot of time to emphasize Jesus and his prayer life expressed when he was on the cross. Um, and he points out that Jesus on the cross became an intercessor for many at that, at that point. He prays for the others, even those who condemned him, right? Um, and the, you were reminded, of, too, that the Our Father teaches you and I, Leslie, to pray for those who trespass against us, just as Jesus prayed for those that trespassed against him. I really like the C.S. Lewis quote I was thinking I was thinking about that it's easy to speak about forgiveness until we have to forgive someone, right? Right. So, right. but that really is an element that the Holy Spirit models for us in Jesus' prayer life on the cross. Fourthly, Jesus, and I really again like this emphasis too, Jesus prays the Psalms on the cross. And uh, I believe this is so basic to a Catholic disciple's prayer life, and that is to engage the Psalms. Uh, one of the heroes of our faith, St. Ambrose, he's the great Saint Leslie who was instrumental in the conversion of St. Augustine referred to in the Psalms this way. You remember St. Andrews, we saw his remains when we were in Italy. Do you remember? Yes. I mean, mm -hmm. literally an open casket with his skeleton right there that with, with his uh, bishop's garb on. I remember that. I can was, picture that like yesterday. It's amazing. Yeah. But this is what he said about the Psalms, Leslie. He, and he was taken from Psalm 1, that's the first Psalm. He explains that the Psalms encapsulate the whole of the Old Testament of the Bible. Think about that. He's saying that the Psalms encapsulate everything in the Old Testament. And then, he, and then he goes on to say that it provides a true gymnasium and medicines for the soul and a stadium for the development of virtue. That's all contained within the Psalms if we go to them. 
I'd like to reflect a moment on our experience praying the Psalms. Um, we are military parents. Our son, Benjamin, uh, served in the Army. He's a veteran now, and he was on his third deployment in Afghanistan in a war zone. And it was a very difficult time for us having him so far away and being in danger's uh, way. He was also expecting his first child during that time. And we found great comfort in praying the Psalms. And we actually prayed Psalm 91. And let me just read you one excerpt from Psalm 91, where it says, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noon. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you've made the Lord your refuge, the most high your habitation. No evil shall befall you befall you nor scourge come near your tent and so that's something we actually prayed every day and it brought great comfort and peace to us and helped us really cry out to god during that time as our refuge and it's interesting that word tent is even there and when our son used to skype us from afghanistan he was in his tent yes he lived in a tent <laughs> yeah. yes so okay all right so uh we so that's our fourth uh, point that Pope Francis brought to us. And lastly, the fifth point, Leslie, is that he brings up this whole idea that Jesus is an intercessor. Okay. He, and he, uh, in Hebrews, uh, chapter seven, verse 25, it says he is able to save those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. Isaiah 53, we mentioned that's one of the four songs that Isaiah presented to, of the servant, says that he bore the sin of many and made the intercession for the transgressors. So this idea of becoming an intercessor means that Jesus stands in the gap in between us and the Father. He, 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 he is the one that intercesses and intercesses, intercedes for us and the scripture also reveals that he ever lives to make intercession. So he's, that means he's even intercessing for all his people today, Leslie. So as we conclude today, I'd like to sum up those five key takeaways for our listeners in this third pillar of Catholic discipleship. Prayer needs to be consistent and will increase over time. Prayer is based on an intimate relationship with God, the Father. We cry out, Abba, Father. As Jesus prayed for three hours on the cross, prayer is the best medicine as we bear our crosses. Praying the Psalms helps us cover all of human experience as we walk with the Lord. And lastly, just as Jesus intercedes for us continually, so each of us is called to intercede and to stand in the gap for those in need. Great summation, Leslie. That really hits, it, hits the nail on the head. This third pillar of discipleship, is a key to rebuilding and renewing our Catholic Church. It's definitely spiritual brick and mortar as we refer to rebuilding and renewing the church. Next week, we're going to unpack the fourth pillar, Leslie, of discipleship, receive the sacraments of penance and Eucharist on a regular basis. We want to, Leslie and I both want to thank you for joining us today as we seek to connect individuals and parishes to the Great Commission in this series. To hear our past programs, please go to catholicradioindy.org and press the big blue button in the top left corner of the webpage. 
and make sure to become a regular listener of Catholic Radio Indy. Goodbye, everyone, and keep the faith. You've been listening to Go Rebuild My Church with Peter Doan. Podcasts of this program are available at www.catholicradioindy.org. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy, 105.9.